One fateful day in March 1918, the USS Cyclops, a Navy ship, pitched back and forth amidst a Caribbean storm. Lieutenant Commander George Worley drunkenly threw open his heavy cabin door and stepped out onto the rain-soaked deck. The violent pitching of the boat turned Worley's stomach. His head was spinning. It was all he could do just to keep one foot in front of the other. Suddenly, the chief bosun's mate, a man named Cost George, appeared in front of him. The large man caught Worley by the shoulder and yelled his report. The ship was overburdened and the lower decks were flooding with water. Worley shook off George's hand, ordering him to secure their cargo of manganese ore. It was imperative that the Cyclops brought the shipment to Baltimore. The U.S. needed it to make ammunition for their forces fighting in World War I. Suddenly, the ship groaned and shifted. Once again, Worley lost his balance. He rolled across the slick deck. A metal beam stopped his fall. Worley clung to it with all his drunken might. He heaved himself up onto his feet again, steadying himself on the uneven deck. But before Worley could take a step, something struck his head. He collapsed to the ground, losing consciousness as seawater flooded his lungs. The Cyclops was sinking, never to be seen or heard from again. Welcome to Gone, a ParCast original. I'm Molly. And I'm Richard. Every Monday, we examine mysterious disappearances and the theories they spawn. From the Amber Room to Michael Rockefeller, Picasso paintings to the Etruscan language, the Roanoke Colony to the lost Russian cosmonauts. If it's gone, we're looking for it. You can find all episodes of Gone and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Gone for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Gone in the search bar. Today, we'll be looking at the disappearance of the USS Cyclops, a ship that vanished somewhere between Barbados and Baltimore in March 1918. The vessel was 542 feet long and built to carry over 12,000 tons of cargo. It also had state-of-the-art radio equipment that could transmit messages hundreds of miles. Yet the entire ship vanished without a trace. Nobody even received a distress call. We'll be exploring three theories explaining what happened to the Cyclops. The first, is that the ship's crew was unhappy with their abusive captain. They staged a mutiny and took control of the collier themselves. The second theory is that a German U-boat torpedoed the ship, aiming to sever the United States' World War I supply lines. The third is that a sudden storm sank the Cyclops. For all we know, it could still be resting at the bottom of the sea, undisturbed for over 100 years. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. <laughs> the story of the USS Cyclops began long before the ship was even built. 
in a portside tavern in San Francisco called Captain Wickman's Roadhouse. In 1898, a seaman named George Worley decided to grab a drink at this rowdy establishment. There was no Captain Wickman at the Wickman Saloon. The barkeeper, 36-year-old Johann Frederick Wickman, had once been a cabin boy on a German ship. Now he yearned to escape San Francisco and go back to sea. On this particular evening, Wickman kept an eye on Worley. He wondered whether the sailor could be his ticket out. That same night, Worley collapsed and died at Captain Wickman's roadhouse. We don't know the exact circumstances of his death. Perhaps his heart gave out, or maybe there was some foul play. In any case, when one George Worley's life ended, another's began. Johann Frederick Wickman stole George Worley's papers, abandoned his tavern, and set off to fulfill his real dream, becoming a sea captain. Using his stolen identity, Wickman enrolled in the United States Naval Auxiliary, a division of the armed forces that supplied Navy combat vessels. By the end of 1898, the new George Worley was sailing as a navigator during the Spanish-American War. Worley rose gradually through the Navy ranks, but as his experience grew, so did his reputation. He was known for being a cruel and unscrupulous officer, hated by his subordinates. Still, his methods got results. By 1908, George Worley was the captain of his own ship, the Aberenda. But this career move was soon followed by a brutal betrayal. One night in 1908, crew members ambushed Worley's first mate in the machine room of the Aberenda, beheading him with an axe. The attackers were never identified, but shipboard rumors speculated that whoever murdered the first mate had killed the wrong target. They had been aiming for Captain Worley. This traumatic event caused Worley to leave the Aberenda. For the rest of his career, he would never sleep in the captain's cabin. Instead, he'd use the emergency cabin beside the bridge, which was smaller and less vulnerable. Despite the violent episode, Worley soon accepted command of a brand new cargo ship the USS Cyclops, on November 7, 1910. Despite his recent brush with death, he didn't become a more benevolent captain. By all accounts, the 48-year-old captain grew even more erratic and cruel aboard the Cyclops. Naval discipline is strict, but the way George Worley treated his crew bordered on the inhumane. He was often drunk on duty and would berate his men at the slightest provocation. During one of his drunken ramblings, he chased the entire crew off the ship. Once they were gone, Worley put an inexperienced sailor at the helm and told the man to sail wherever he wanted for an hour. He even started a rumor that he had a tame lion on board the ship. The ruse was intended to scare his crew, and it became one of his few antics that got reported to the Bureau of Navigation, the department that managed Navy personnel. The Bureau sent Worley a letter requesting he put the fictional animal ashore. 
In the meantime, the Cyclops' living conditions were poor, even for the early 20th century Navy. Rations were small, and instead of petitioning for better supplies, Worley had the ship's cook prepare food for the crew, even if it was rotten. For four years, the USS Cyclops sailed in this state. She supplied naval divisions in the Baltic Sea and throughout the Caribbean. But her first distinction didn't come until 1914, during the Mexican Revolution. The USS Cyclops was one of the cargo ships tasked with supplying coal to the U.S. Navy ships stationed along Mexico's shoreline. She also brought Mexican refugees from Tampico to New Orleans to escape the conflict. The U.S. State Department even thanked the ship and her crew personally for her efforts in saving lives. By July of 1914, the Cyclops went back to her usual duties. Meanwhile, Europe had plunged into World War I. From 1914 to 1917, the U.S. was a neutral country, and the idea of joining the fight was controversial at best. Those who were in favor of joining couldn't even agree whether America should support the Allies or the Central Powers. Captain George Worley himself was a German immigrant, and he staunchly supported the Central Powers. With this stance, he became even more unpopular with anti-German members of his crew. The United States finally entered World War I in April of 1917. Two months later, in June, the Navy dispatched the Cyclops on a month-long mission to deliver coal and cargo to their other ships in France. While there, the Cyclops crew petitioned Worley for shore leave, but they did not receive it. Captain Worley was allegedly too drunk to grant them this innocuous request. It was the last straw. On August 4, 1917, 40 crew members sent a petition to the Secretary of the Navy requesting that Captain George Worley be removed from duty. The Naval Board of Inquiry responded that they would have a hearing. Finally, Worley's brow-beaten crew would have the chance to testify against him. Meanwhile, the ship continued its usual orders, transporting Navy supplies up and down America's east coast. Soon, the USS Cyclops would go down as the largest non-combat fatality in U.S. naval history. Up next, the crew rebels against their captain. Hi, it's Molly. In case you haven't heard, Parcast has an intense new original series I think you'll really enjoy. It's called Medical Murders, and it exposes the dark, disturbing, and deadly side of medicine. Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join host Alastair Murden as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers, dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, 
like the general practitioner, believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to the story. The USS Cyclops was a state-of-the-art collier launched in 1910 under the command of the imposter Lieutenant Commander George Worley. Worley was unpopular amongst his crew for his cruel disciplinary methods. And by the summer of 1917, this unrest had reached a boiling point. The crew of the Cyclops petitioned the Naval Board of Inquiry to investigate their captain. In response, an official hearing was launched aboard the ship. Witnesses testified both for and against their captain, accusing him of cruel and inhuman treatment. They said he swore at them, regularly drank on duty, and deprived them of their freedom when the ship was docked. One witness was C.R. Daniels, the mate tasked with cleaning the captain's cabin. He claimed that Worley was a drunk, and he found a bottle of liquor in the captain's possession. Another criticism came from quartermaster George A. Landgren. Landgren claimed the captain cursed at him and disparaged the men. He testified Worley called the crew sons of bitches. Throughout the trial, Worley served as his own defense counsel, interrogating the men who accused him. But strangely, he didn't deny their charges of drunkenness or cruelty. Instead, he tried to frame himself as the commander of an unruly crew. The trial lasted for several chaotic days. One crew member after another accused the captain of being unreasonable. But most accounts had no additional witnesses, and Worley's cronies refuted the testimonies. In the end, the Navy found Worley guilty only of excessive drinking, which the captain claimed was for a medical condition. The Navy seemingly bought this terrible excuse, never filing any formal charges against him. So at the end of August 1917, the Cyclops returned to Norfolk, Virginia to await her next assignment, a mission that would turn out to be her last. For this next voyage, the Navy commissioned the USS Cyclops to pick up a shipment of manganese ore from Rio de Janeiro. She would then bring the cargo to Baltimore, where it would be made into ammunition for the British ships fighting in World War I. The Cyclops departed Norfolk on January 8, 1918, and most of what we know about this leg comes from a journal belonging to Navy Ensign Conrad A. Nervig. He caught a ride on the Cyclops to begin an assignment in South America. Nervig witnessed Worley's erratic behavior firsthand, noting many incidents of Worley drinking, including a time when the captain emerged on deck in his long underwear. But Worley wasn't the only problem on board the Cyclops. On January 27, 1918, the ship's starboard engine broke down. Worley was upset, but he wasn't too worried. The Cyclops still had one functioning engine. 
Though she would only be traveling at a fraction of her normal speed, she could still finish the mission. On February 8, 1918, the Cyclops finally reached Rio de Janeiro. There, the Naval Board of Inquiry examined the ship's broken engine. Deeming the vessel seaworthy, they ordered the Cyclops to repair her engines back in Baltimore. Meanwhile, the Navy loaded the Cyclops with 10,000 tons of manganese ore. This caused the ship to sink deep into the bay past its plimsoll, or safety line. The Cyclops was carrying more weight than she was supposed to and was at risk of sinking. But Worley and the other naval officers had faith she could finish her mission. So on February 16, 1918, the Cyclops departed Rio for Baltimore. Three days later, she made a surprising stop in Bahia, Brazil, before leaving again on February 20th. That wasn't the last unexpected detour the Cyclops made. On March 4th, the Cyclops sailed into Carlisle Bay, Barbados. Worley reported to the U.S. consul nearby in Bridgetown, claiming they had only stopped to replenish their coal supplies. Less than 24 hours later, the Cyclops departed one last time for Baltimore on March 5th. Later that day, the Navy received a communication from the Cyclops. She was traveling at 10 knots with an estimated time of arrival in Baltimore on the 13th. The message ended with the usual sign-off, all's well. It was the last anyone heard from the USS Cyclops. When the ship didn't arrive in Baltimore on the 13th, the Navy became suspicious. The Cyclops had state-of-the-art radios on board and had been traveling a highly trafficked part of the sea. If something had gone wrong, surely someone would have heard a distress signal. The Navy quickly dispatched ships to search for the missing collier. Meanwhile, its officials had a disturbing thought. If there was no SOS, maybe the Cyclops hadn't sunk. Maybe she had defected. This brings us to our first theory, namely that the crew attempted a failed mutiny and that Worley took the Cyclops and tried to flee to Germany. This suspicion came about when Navy investigators noticed that there were many German members on the crew besides Worley himself. The detectives also believed the ship's two unscheduled stops were suspicious. The Cyclops was supposed to sail directly to Baltimore after Rio de Janeiro, but it stopped first at Bahia, then Barbados. Both times were allegedly to take on more coal. However, the dock workers who resupplied the Cyclops in Barbados noticed that she already had several tons of coal on board, more than enough to get to Maryland. And Worley had insisted to the local U.S. consul there that his coal supply was poor quality and that they needed more to make the trip safely with their one engine. Clearly, this was a made-up excuse. But why was Worley lying? The Navy's investigators pored over documents pertaining to the Cyclops. They read countless reports of Worley's behavior. By all accounts, he was a tyrant with a free reign over his crew. Slowly, they came to a terrifying realization. The USS Cyclops could have been the site of the first mutiny in United States Navy history. 
The rationale was this. At some point after the Cyclops departed from Rio de Janeiro, but before her first unexpected stop, the crew had mutinied. But the mutiny was unsuccessful. After all, Worley did have his share of allies on board, and the Navy suspected that during the scuffle, one or more of the mutineers could have been killed. Still, killing a crew member was strictly forbidden in the Navy. In the event of a mutiny, a captain would need to hold any traitors alive and turn them over to the Navy. In the event that Worley had killed one of his own sailors, even by accident, his life was forfeit. He could either turn himself in to face execution or defect to his homeland of Germany. With this knowledge, Worley could have changed course and collected enough extra fuel to make the trip across the Atlantic. It was a compelling theory, but it had its flaws. First and foremost, lack of evidence. When the Navy suspected the ship might be headed to Germany, they informed all the Allied vessels in the Atlantic. With descriptions of the ship and crew, every French, British, Belgian, Greek, or neutral sailor was on sharp lookout for the USS Cyclops. And she wasn't an easy ship to miss. The Cyclops was nearly two football fields long and weighed almost 20,000 tons. Such a gargantuan craft couldn't be easily lost, especially if she was sailing toward an active war zone. But no one spotted her. Also, the suspicious stops on the way up the coast of South America may have been merely incidental, not treasonous. George Worley was a notoriously bad navigator, so he could have sailed the ship wildly off course. In the event that they used up most of their coal going in the wrong direction, the crew would have needed to stop to refuel. Plus, the ship was operating on just one engine and carrying 10,000 tons of manganese ore. The Cyclops would have struggled to make the trip across the Atlantic quickly, if at all. Since the vessel never appeared anywhere else, we know she didn't successfully defect. Besides, the abuse on board the Cyclops had been going on for years, and there didn't seem to be any event on this particular voyage that would have pushed the crew over the edge. With no evidence indicating her fate, the Navy announced they were abandoning the search for the USS Cyclops on April 14, 1918, a mere month after her disappearance. She had been lost to the sea. But in the 102 years since the Cyclops disappeared, more theories have come to light. One of these involves an all-too-familiar shipwreck site, the Bermuda Triangle. The Bermuda Triangle is an area of roughly 500,000 nautical miles in the Caribbean, known as the disappearance site of many boats and planes. The route the Cyclops would have taken to Baltimore went straight through the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. Perhaps the ship fell prey to its strange powers and simply disappeared. This could also explain why no other ships received a distress signal. According to legend, the Bermuda Triangle has the power to jam radio messages, forcing ships to sink in silence. 
However, research has shown that vessels are about as likely to go missing anywhere else at sea as they are to vanish in the Bermuda Triangle. So it's likely that the Cyclops sank for a different reason. In fact, some think that the Cyclops was actually a casualty of unrestricted submarine warfare. Perhaps in her journey back to Baltimore, the Cyclops crossed the path of a German U-boat. Seeing that the ship was an Allied vessel, the U-boat torpedoed the Cyclops. It's possible, but not entirely probable. After World War I, no records were found indicating that German U-boats had operated in the Caribbean. If a U-boat had attacked the Cyclops, it doesn't seem to have been recorded. Besides, if the Germans torpedoed the ship, the crew would have had plenty of time to radio an SOS before she submerged. It's more likely that she sank suddenly during a storm. Or maybe she was sabotaged by her very own sailors. Up next, we examine how the sea may have claimed the USS Cyclops and all 306 souls on board. And now, back to the story. The USS Cyclops' disappearance in March of 1918 was the greatest non-combat loss of life the American Navy had ever seen. 306 souls in all were lost. It would be understandable if the ship encountered problems and sunk, but the lack of a radio distress call made its disappearance feel eerie. And while some have suggested that the ship defected to Germany or that it was torpedoed by a U-boat, the most popular theory is that the USS Cyclops fell victim to a sudden storm and sank to the bottom of the sea. Before we examine how the Cyclops may have sunk, however, we must first return to Brazil. When the Cyclops arrived in Rio de Janeiro, she was already worse for wear with one working engine. And that was before she took on her 10,000 tons of cargo. The weight limit of the Cyclops was 14,500 tons. She had already taken on about 4,000 tons of seawater during the initial journey, which was sloshing about in the bottom of her hull. And she was close to capacity after loading 10,000 tons of manganese ore in Rio. Between the water, cargo, and fuel, the Cyclops was extremely overburdened. Eyewitness accounts align with this. When the ship stopped in Barbados, the dockmaster observed that she was sitting too low in the water, past her plimsoll or safety line. Yet nobody at the time believed that the Cyclops sank. There was no wreckage, no distress call, and as far as anyone knew, no storm had ravaged the area. But the suggestion that there was no foul weather is a dubious one. At sea, the climate is fickle. Sudden storms can appear at a moment's notice and disappear just as quickly. Larry Kusha, author of The Bermuda Triangle, Solved, theorized that the Cyclops was hit by a gale-force wind that blasted the East Coast on March 9th and 10th of 1918. Such winds would have created massive turbulent waves that tossed the Cyclops about. With the Cyclops in this vulnerable position, 
sinking was a distinct possibility. And even the absence of its wreckage has been challenged. In February 1920, two years after the Cyclops disappeared, Navy sailor Donald Fraser was caught in a storm near the Bahamas. For his own safety, he took refuge on the tiny island of Gun Key, about 60 miles off the coast of Miami. There, he allegedly found the wreckage of what appeared to be a Navy lifeboat. Fraser claimed he observed letters stenciled on the side of the boat that read, USS Cyclo. He could also see something that resembled a sunken ship's hull about 2,000 yards from shore. When he returned to base, Fraser reported his findings. Several days later, the Navy sent an expedition to investigate Gun Key, but they didn't find anything. Fraser could have easily been lying or mistaken, but his superiors said he was usually a trustworthy source. Perhaps the wreckage had been swept away by another storm. The next clue came 50 years later in 1968, when Navy diver Dean Hawes found a shipwreck 40 miles off the coast of Virginia. In his diving suit, Hawes planted his feet on the deck of a colossal ship. He briefly explored the sunken vessel before returning to the surface to alert the rest of his team. But luck was not on their side. The weather had worsened, and waves were starting to toss Hawes' ship about. His diving team recorded their position and returned to shore. When Hawes did more research, he found photographs of the Cyclops, which looked exactly like the wreck he had seen. He convinced the Navy to send another expedition to that location. But when they returned to that spot, they couldn't find the Cyclops. What they did find were other shipwrecks, but none of them matched the lost collier. So for all we know, Dean Hawes was mistaken. Or perhaps his team recorded the wrong latitude and longitude to begin with. There are other flaws with the storm theory besides the absence of a shipwreck. Newspapers at the time speculated that there was no reason for the ship to sink suddenly. She had been in the service for almost a decade, and any structural issues would have already shown themselves. So if she had sunk, it had to have been a pretty nasty storm. Other papers suggest that the culprit wasn't the weather at all. It was a traitor. They implied that a Central Powers sympathizer had planted a bomb on the boat, sinking the ship before anybody could radio for help. In the end, though, it's just another theory. Besides, if the ship had exploded, it would have left wreckage behind. Subsequent search parties would have discovered fragments of twisted metal floating on the surface of the water. It's more likely that the Cyclops was the victim of a pure accident. This final theory goes like this. The Cyclops was sailing on her course through the Caribbean when she was struck suddenly by bad weather. A particularly brutal series of waves struck her side, causing her cargo of heavy manganese ore to shift. And the already partially submerged ship capsized and rapidly sunk in one piece. If the Cyclops had suddenly flipped over, 
the crew would have had no chance to radio for help before the ship sank. The weight of the ship and suction of the water would have pulled all of its crew underwater. Every piece of evidence would have vanished to the bottom of the ocean. We'll never know for sure. But what is certain is that the Navy could have done more to protect the Cyclops and her crew. For one, they merely ignored the claims about Worley's abuse. Maybe if his trial had ended differently, the ship would have received a better captain, one that refused to sail with too much cargo, one whose crews wouldn't have mutinied were that the case. For all we know, the disappearance of the Cyclops wasn't an act of God or Germans or sudden storms. It was simply the failure of man. Just how exactly this played out, we might never know. Thanks again for tuning in to Gone. We'll be back next week with a short Gone Bite on Spotify and back everywhere else the week after. You can find more episodes of Gone and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Gone for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Gone on Spotify, just open the app and type Gone in the search bar. We'll see you next time. Just because it's gone doesn't mean it can't be found. Gone was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Gone was written by Matthew Teamstra, with writing assistance by Ali Wicker and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Hi, listeners. Trust me, you don't want to miss the intense new ParCast original series, Medical Murders. From trauma surgeons to hospice staff, Medical professionals are trained to give exceptional care. But what about those who use their skills not to heal, but hurt? Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.